the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. And now it's time for expert analysis from the best in the game. This is Be She's Wrestling with Mike Davidson. I'm a former producer of wrestling, and I had to tell people, here's what I need in a promo, here's what I need in a match, and here's why you have to do it. You tried to be cute, you tried to be clever, and you came off undervaluing the guy the promoter is paying thousands of dollars to get into the ring with you. Special guest star, the Mecca, Shane Madison. Madison. Jealousy is something that the Mecca Shane Madison has had to deal with my entire life. It doesn't matter! Because I guarantee that the Mecca will win. And producer Chris. He's just a money-making machine, that guy. As somebody who's featured regularly on their program, I don't think he's going to be able to take enough time away from his other adventures. The guy is a mogul. And now, he, she's wrestling. He, she's wrestling. If producer Chris or the Mecca Shane Madison have a cold next week, they'll have me to thank for that, because I sound like she's, and I'm getting over something that was that makes me feel like she's. What is this you're eating? Uh, it's candies. Maple Cool Max. Yes. Basically anything I can do. Producer Chris has all these things in studio, and in, in the event of I show up and don't think I can perform, he, he gets me... He, he produces me back to health. It's a wonderful thing. It's, a, it's something that happens often. I am the picture of health heading into 2024. Yeah, well, you got a big match signed. Big match signed. You went to Rookie Sports Bar. We're going to talk about that in yes. a minute. That's not what we're leading with. A little bit of a physical altercation. Oh. Was security there? They were there. Did you slap a fan? I did. Oh, no. Oh, no. Adam Knight told me it was okay. Yes. He did? Oh. Yeah. Lead by, was he there? He was not there. Oh, Uncle Lightning Dick was there. And Johnny Mellon. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about it. Thank you to a friend of ours who said we have to leave him nameless. He does not want to put over. He would like it to be a kayfabe. Mm -hmm. We got a hookup to go see the Iron Claw this week. Yes, Iron Cleaves. Yes. It is the story of the Von Erich clan. Now, if anybody knows me, they know that I spent a very long time, my favorite territory when I grew up was AWA. But But after, like 10 years later... Studying the territory system, I liked the Von Erichs, I liked Texas, I liked world-class championship wrestling, and I believe very much so mm-hmm. that um, that world-class could have been the one to go national. I think Vince beat them to it because Vince was smarter than Fritz Von Erich, but I think the talent in Texas could have gone national more than WWE or WWF at the time. In 1984 and 1985, 1986, 1983 for sure, world-class had the best talent in in North America. Now, this movie we went to see, Mm -hmm. I think the casting director must have smoked dope or something. (laughs) He makes... Zac Efron is on a lot of steroids. He's gassed up. Whoa. He plays the role of Kevin Von Erich, and for some reason, he's taller and thicker... And more jacked. And way more vascular than Kerry Von Erich. Yeah, that never Played by the guy from uh, Shameless. I don't know his name. I'm not even going to look. He looks up. like uh, Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard life. or Bobby J when he was doing Bobby Janetti in the early nineties. <laughs> he looked weird. Yeah. See, Kerry Von Erich looked like a superhero. He was like the showcase Von Erich. Yes. So yeah. it's always been known that David was the number one talent. I thought it was Mike. Mike. Mike was my favorite. <laughs> Mike was. Well, actually, no. Lance was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Mike. Mike actually was probably. He probably had the hardest job in that movie, and he did the best job, I would say. You mean the actor? Yeah. Yeah. And they weren't very fair to him. For one, they should have got a redheaded stepchild. Mm-hmm. This guy had dark hair. But casting, and, and it's inspired by true events, yeah. so I'm not going to rip apart the things they got wrong. Right. It is a movie. Yes. It is not historically But accurate, here's the but big part of the story that, yeah. they, that they understate all the way through. Mm-hmm. How over the Von Erichs were. They never show the girls. It was common that the girls would jump out and kiss them. It's kind of like you ring. when you used to wrestle. I know. Coming to the ring at bumpers. Yes. And it was because I reminded people of Kerry Von Erich. <laughs> that is a strange. I just had shorter, striking I, resemblance. I just had shorter hair. <laughs> but realistically, the Von Erichs were very, very, very over. Mm-hmm. They were they were hot when they when they were in the ring when Kerry wins the NWA World Title it's one of the biggest pops in history mm-hmm. their angle with the Freebirds was one of the hottest feuds in history 
Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez. They had the talent behind it to back it up. And the producer or the writer understates it all and then even manages to understate the tragedies. And leave some people out. Yeah, well, Chris didn't matter. Yep, Unfortunately, sure. he was short and no one cared, apparently. Well, the, the producer said that there's only so much tragedy you can have in a movie, but that's part of the story. Yeah, I, well, I read an article on it. And he had to use, like, I had to make a lot of tough cuts because yeah. the movie was going to be four hours long. So why yeah. understate the level of, of success they had yeah. and then understate the level of tragedy? And they very much understated the level of tragedy. David mm-hmm. Von Erich dies. The family goes into disarray. Mm-hmm. I, at no point did Fritz say we're flipping a coin. The NWA said Kevin or Kerry's getting the title. Kevin was never, and I, I like Kevin Von Erich, and Kevin Von Erich was a good wrestler. He was there was never any comparable Kevin to Kerry no. in no. terms of a national scale. Not even close. And then the other thing is when Kerry won the NWA title, he lost it. He didn't lose his foot and then lose the title. They tell that story like. They yeah. miss so much. Yeah. They miss Kerry Von Eric going through the airport and then finding drugs in his bag and Fritz changing the story to make it seem like the Freebirds planted the drugs, which is something that should have been in this movie. They understate Lance Von Eric and how that was a scam. And they used a wrestler named Rick Vaughn and they called him Lance Von Eric. And then Lance got hot at the office and went and stooged off that he really wasn't a Von Eric, but now, they knew that. That was MJF's. Uh, He's in one scene. His quick scene in, yeah. in the movie where for he most doesn't tag in Kevin. Yeah. So, if you want the true value, watch that movie. It's a good wrestling movie. Yeah, highly recommend it. It should have been an eight-part series on Paramount Plus or Netflix because you could have told the story perfectly and you could have dug in a little deeper. In two hours, you can't tell the whole story, but you missed a lot of valuable parts and you cast pretty funny. A lot of people are ripping on the Ric Flair cast, yeah. But I don't think you can. I don't think. How you, do you? Yeah. How do you cast Ric Flair? Yeah. Like he's well, a, apparently he's, uh, he's a one in a million talent, but he's listen, one million guy. Like but obviously. The, but you look at Harley Race, Terry Gordy, yeah, like Michael Hayes. They looked visually very good. Yes. Yeah. Very. Close. So well, I give him credit for that. But yeah, Ric Flair. Come on, yeah. it's Ric Flair. Well, and the thing was is Will Ferrell apparently does an amazing Ric Flair. Yeah. And like Fritz von Erich, that actor, I can't hold to hold something. I can't yeah. remember. I've seen him in a few movies. He was outstanding. They I made him look like a, Yeah, the writer made him look like an idiot. About, yeah. about ten years ago, Will Ferrell would have been a perfect Ric Flair. He was doing this character on Eastbound and Down called Ashley Schaefer. And he had long blonde hair, and he would go, "Woo, Ashley Schaefer, BMW, woo!" Like he was literally acting like Ric Flair hmm. the whole time. Now I think he's a little long in the tooth, a little old looking. I don't think he'd pull it off. But well, but that's not a bad. You know, roll for it. That being said, if you like wrestling, get your butt out there and see it for yourself and study the Von Erich story. As if I'm a local promoter, I'm realizing that you can take guys from your home territory and turn them into superstars. The Von Erichs did it. They were Dallas-born guys, sons of the promoter. Gino Hernandez was a Texas-based wrestler. Now, granted, Texas had a big pool of talent. But in Winnipeg, you could present, and WPW does it very well. They make Bobby Shank out to be a big star, which is odd that he's a big star in WPW. And then with Tony Candelo, Tony's Championship Wrestling, he's just a wrestler. Yeah. Like how we can, it's obviously a case where the promoter and the and the way he's being presented, the way he's being promoted, works with WPW. They're doing a good job of at making the most out of what they've got. So one thing I thought of. I've, the whole reason why WFX was going to expand into Texas in 2010 and the business plan was written and we were looking at it, we want, I wanted it, I wanted it bad, was because I thought there was some there was some glory there from the from the Von Eric days. I remember you talking about you had like some Texas guys kind of lined up to be like almost like WFX Texas. Yeah. Essentially. We had you... we had a ring in Texas. Sean Debari was gonna yep, run a Dabari, town, yep. Charlie Haas was gonna run a town. They both lived in Texas. They had they had a local independent guy who was going to run towns. We were going to do the graphics out of Winnipeg. I was going to okay what talent was going to get used. The whole idea in 2010, it was actually quite a elaborate expansion plan, was that we were going to invest in Puerto Rico and Texas, and our talent, even Winnipeg guys, were going to get to go to a territory and be and be presented as stars. They were going to get to travel. It just didn't come to fruition for two reasons, and you know it is what it is for two reasons. Yeah. 
What are those two reasons? Jeff Dick couldn't get into the United States, so he was apprehensive of putting his money into it. And two, he was running out of money because CRA was coming, mm. and they eventually caught. They eventually came. He got got. Yeah, he came, he got got. So I say, go check out Iron Claw. Yep. Don't ask why Kerry Von Erich is very short and goofy <laughs> looking in the face. Go back and watch some Kerry Von Erich matches, and you'll see just how old, in Chicago in '88 against Gary Lawler for AWA. At the Super Clash, he was the most over guy on the show by a long shot. Even when he came into WWE in 1990. Like, There's a match on that I watched just yesterday. It was Ultimate Warrior and Kerry Von Erich versus Rick Rude and Kurt Henning. They did that match in Winnipeg. They were running the house show loop. They did that one. I remember it was August 17, 1990. They did it here at the Winnipeg. Yeah, Winnipeg. this one I think was in New York. Okay. Kerry doesn't miss a beat. Yeah. Carry bumps and sells. You can't tell he's got a, a prosthetic yeah, no. foot. I did not even know that until years later. Yeah. See, if, I have always believed and heard this, that if Vince could have got Carry in 80, 83, 84, there's a chance Hulk Hogan might not have had a four-year title run. Apparently, Vince was a huge fan of Carry's look. What's not to like? Yeah, yeah and Carry had a certain charm. You have to remember, Hulk Hogan is not a better-looking guy than Kerry Von Erich in 1985 or 84. No. What was he? He Never. was called the modern-day warrior. Kerry that was Von it Eric. from 86 to 88 was right. his moniker, or maybe until 90 when he went to WWF. Then he was the Texas Tornado. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was something special, and the movie understates it big time. Absolutely. And that was my big problem with it. So before we move on to that topic, do you, do you <laughs> suppose that that movie might open up a possibility of a miniseries? I mean, you could do it now. You could tell the story. You could tell the real, like, call it the real blah, 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 whatever. It's a good question, but I'm going to tell you. I actually think there's wrestling is being overexposed right now with wrestlers on Netflix and before that, Heels, which only got a two-season run, and now the Von Erich feature movie. I have a feeling you're going to see Hollywood types and TV types start to say, you know what, we've had a little too much run of wrestling here. Hmm. The bubble is starting to burst. AEW's numbers aren't strong enough, although they beat Raw this week. But I think what's happening right now is that we're at the we're at the crescendo where AEW can't get it right. And we'll talk about that later in the show. If AEW doesn't start to get it right and get hot again, you're going to see a one-trick pony again with WWE so so heavily ahead of AEW, and you're going to start to see the business contract a little bit again. And it scares me. I hope that does not happen. I think we're kind of already starting to see a little bit of that, the contraction you're speaking of. You can see it in the podcast business. Like, people are launching podcasts. We were lucky. We had a great year in 2023. We grew. We didn't shrink. A lot of podcasts can't say that. Um, Our numbers consistently got better. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But I can tell you, like, people are getting overexposed on the product. And, you know, the only thing that can help would be a cancellation to, say, AEW Rampage, a different approach to how they present Collision, where it's two different programs. One of the things, and, and I, I want to talk about this after our first break, but they're running two two tag matches on a pay-per-view with eight guys in it? Yeah. That is a booker who's freaking desperate and doesn't have the yeah. heart to tell guys, hey, listen, you're not on tonight. Yeah, we just got to get everybody on the show. Have your Ring of Honor brand that you own. Have some guys that only work Ring of Honor. Have your AEW guys. Don't do this by cramming that many guys in. It's an absolute joke. And he's got a battle royal too. And they called they called one of the eight mans an eight man all star match. And that match had like Jay Lethal and Eddie Kingston. And then the other match is just called an eight man match, and that had Sting in it. So, so is the all star better than that? Was Sting not an all star? Isn't Jericho in the all star in the other one too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So now we're going to go back and we're going to talk about Rookie Sports Bar. We're going to talk about CWE. We're going to talk about Shane Madison. Yeah, that was a good show. Gracing the venue that probably is, is, it was full. It was full. It, it was actually the most full I've ever seen at Rookie Sports Bar. Well, you have to know that rookies have, there's a financial reason why the company does it. Mm-hmm. I think that they should do it as a special brand. I think Danny could still run it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would call that Canadian wrestling's elite. I would call that, you know, wrestling, barroom wrestling or something like that. Mm-hmm. Give it its own its own appeal. Don't tie it into your big brand because your big brand is only, again, yeah. suffering by, by not having any high-level venue. But what can you tell us? It was... Uh... You know, it was a packed house at Rookies. It was uh, the Super Jobber Cup 
terrible which, name for a show because it makes people think they're paying to see the worst on the roster. And it's uh, it's an interesting concept. And when you think about it, it actually makes sense. So there's matches in a tournament format. The loser of the match advances. So there is value on winning the match because you don't want to have to work again, you know, and you're and you've lost. So it, it's it's a kind of a backwards concept, but if, in theory, if you think about it, it makes sense. But then. I also say, okay, but then the the loser is the guy that moves on. So now the fans have to watch the loser perform again. Yeah, and it was the whole tournament, anyways, was won by Pistol Pete Jones. Oh yes, yes, he's, he's wrestling now. He's wrestling. He needs a lot of work. I took him aside and I go, man, you got to come down to the training center. Who's training him? I'm not sure when he was trained or like. When so it, he worked how many singles matches? I guess three matches, four matches. Short matches, I hope. Pretty short, yep. Okay. But I mean, like, he needs a lot of work, footwork, positioning. Well, he, I don't think he was ever trained. I know he was trained as a ref. Yeah, he goes up pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, he got he got beat up pretty good by uh, Sean Martins in the last match. Sean Martins lost two matches leading to the final? Sean, Ma Sean Martins was in the final, yeah. So that means he lost one or two matches? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting concept. Um, but again, I think... Like we've talked about, that show's about reps, right? But and, but that's why you'll never catch me wrestling on that show. Rare appearance. It's a holidays. What did you do? I had a promo. I, well, you know, I knew Chad Daniels was going to be at the show. Yeah. So he was in the ring, you know, and I just came out, confronted him, and it's very simple. I just wanted to tell him, you know, that, uh, hey, listen, like, you know, he's lost, like I said in the video with Hustler, He's lost in the Elite Eight. He's lost at the Rumble. He lost his junior title. He's lost in the Jacques Rougeau Loot Academy. I heard a rumor that when the franchise Shane Douglas comes to town, he may be wrestling Chad Daniels. What happens if he loses that match? And more importantly, when he when I get in the ring with them sometime this year, he will lose that match. I will expose him and make him look like a fool and... I don't know if that guy, he's very fragile. I don't know if he can come back from a loss like that. From Shane Madison, been gone 10 years. Well, what so, happens when I beat him? So we'll the, find out. So the rumor is in Winnipeg, he's taking on the franchise Shane Douglas? I heard that may be happening. Okay. I don't know if it's a single so match. So he's going to go from the there. franchise, and then probably his next big match will be against the Mecca. That's the way it's looking. Well, he has a chance to have a great year if he beats you both. If he beats us both. Yeah. But what if he doesn't? Well, then it's he's going to have to regroup. And you know, and here's the thing, right? You hear all these people say, "Oh, you know, look, Shane Madison's come back again. Shane Madison has returned again. How many times has Shane Madison come back?" Well, please, can somebody take the ball and run with it so I don't have to do this? I can't do this. Forever. You are the savior of Winnipeg wrestling. I can't you? do this forever. Yes. You know. Remember, I said Adam Knight should call himself the savior. Now I think you should call well, yourself the savior. You might be onto something. So, anyways, but no, it was good. And, and what about? You know, but I will say, he got a little fired up, you know? He got a little fired up, showed a little... Showed, he wanted to hit me. He wanted to hit me, and he did. He 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 punched me in the face. I went down, and I was like, okay. Did you hit back? Well, I might have swung first. I oh, might have swung first, and then I missed, and then he <laughs> kind of gave me a little bit of a receipt. But, yeah. you know, hey, listen. Guys, kids got a little fired, so we'll see what happens. I think he's got no balls. I don't believe what he's saying. I think he's pretending to portray a wrestler, and I'm going to expose him when I get him in the ring. Okay. So um, Johnny Malibu was on the show. I saw a video promo of him. Johnny Malibu was he's on the show. got a beard that's down to his chest hairs probably. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Johnny Malibu or what type of – Had a nice jacket on. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Right. And Marty Goldstein, did he – He was in the main event against Kevin O'Dolly. One-on-one? One-on-one. And he beat Kevin O'Doyle. So the next show at Rookies, which is, I think, January 26th, Kevin O'Doyle has to wear a diaper and a baby He ball. beat him clean? Well, there might have been some tomfoolery. Because Marty dyes his hair, but Marty is over 60 years old, I believe. I will tell you, when Marty won the match... The people went crazy. Oh, that crowd popped huge. Yeah. It was the pop of the night. Yes. It was It was hilarious. If Marty's not careful doing those spot, like those spot appearances... The people demanded he might have to wrestle full-time just like you. I might have to get into a segment with him. Maybe wow. not. All right. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Jay Rockney was there. I do have a great Jay Rockney story. Actually, I want to talk about WPW now. Okay. 
Um, they sold out the Rec Room show. Rec, they're calling it Rec Room. Yeah, W R E C K. Yeah, yeah, they sold that out in one day. That's unbelievable. I love their Good vision. For them. I love their vision, and I'll tell you what what I love about it. So their shows at West End Cultural Center were only open adults, and I didn't realize that. And their show at the Walker had was open to families, but rather than just pivot their product to start catering to families and do it suddenly. They decided to find the perfect family venue mm-hmm. and go after a new market and right. very successful. I don't know if it was, I don't know what the sellout there is. I don't know what the capacity is, Yeah. but let's say it's 200, 250. They sold it out pretty quick and now they've got a whole new market. Now you think about that. They do two to three or they do 300 people at West End Cultural Center, all adults, party crowd. Yeah. Now you've got a family venue where you're selling out 200, 220 and, or maybe it was 250. I don't know. But they sold that out in a day. How are they able to sell those out in a day? And yeah. meanwhile, every other wrestling company is is pushing hard and hard and hard the day of the day, the day yeah. of the show for tickets. I wonder what a sellout is. So maybe maybe the rec room holds X. Yeah. Right? And maybe you know if you look at CWE, Holy Eucharist Church, maybe that holds X. And I mean, at what point does the promoter announce it sold out? Maybe. To my knowledge, Holy Eucharist in the original. Mm-hmm. Set up when Shock Rougeau was in town. Mm-hmm. Right, it was around three hundred. Mm-hmm. Would be my guess. Okay, that seems about right. Yeah. But I also know that Danny, as a promoter, doesn't believe in selling out. He, if you get four hundred people show up, you're right. going to stuff them in. So he's just basically he's not going to say it's sold out. He would rather no keep selling and those the tickets. Next day he would say okay. we had a sold out capacity crowd. Right. Whereas WPW will gladly announce yeah. that they. But there's also a responsibility on the promoter's part. I don't like going to Canada Life Center very often because I find that it's very uncomfortable having to sit so close. Yeah. With with um, with this, with, if I go to a CWE show, I don't want there to be, um, you know, I don't want four hundred people where there should be two hundred and nine. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want, and that's the other thing. And I don't it, want there to be standing room. I want there yeah. to be everyone should have a seat. Yeah, you want to give them a good experience, too, yeah. right? So it's going to be interesting to see with WPW at the rec room on February 18th what happens if it's going to be the same crowd or if they, like you said, have totally developed a whole new, quote-unquote, family-friendly That's fan. the interesting thing. Is it going to be adults that go there because they support every show they do? Yeah. Is it going to be the same crowd or is it going to be the people that wanted to bring kids that can't? And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say... They've developed a new crowd. Oh, yeah. That's what I think because I have that much faith in these guys. Yes. So with, with Devin and Ben, I believe that they had interactions with people who were saying, God, I wish I could bring my kids. I wish I could bring, you know, a 15-year-old. And they were getting told, no, you can't. But we're working on something. And I think they waited till the demand was there. Yeah. So that then when they announced, hey, you, this is the one you can bring your kids to, they had that market already set. And they have some more surprises uh, planned in March, too. So uh, stay tuned for those, too. Really? Well, I wonder, like, last year in the spring in April, they did the show at the museum. Mm-hmm. I'll be shocked if they don't do another one up there. And then they, then in the summer, they it was just their regular programming until they got to the fall. It's an interesting time for them. What Very. a collection of venues, though. If you really look at the venues, the list of venues that they've had and that they're presumably welcome back to, they've got, like, a who's who for venues. Like, everybody who's running a show in... Winnipeg and for that matter Western Canada should be looking at these guys what are they doing to get these oh, premier because yeah. all their venues are premier it's not like yeah. they've got a crappy one and then right. this one's a little better yeah. than this one's the, the profile all, venues they're all profile about. venues to yes. that point though in Edmonton you got Love Wrestling yeah, they're and, doing you've got, and you've got Top Talent yeah. they have one venue that they build out of in Winnipeg the problem is you see promoters run a venue and then they never go back you can kind of you can kind of gloss over either it was a cost factor they couldn't afford or the promoter didn't wasn't on the level with the venue. The venue decided they didn't want to do it again. WPW does things a lot different. I think they're more on the level. I think that the, there's a reason how they got on the Chris Jericho show. Speaking of which, Danny Duggan, mm-hmm. promoter from CWE, was on the Oh You Didn't Know podcast with Road Dog. I saw that. I didn't I didn't watch the podcast yet, but I did see that I did see he was on there. Yeah. Congratulations to him. He worked with Road Dog a lot in 2010. Yep. Road Dog loved it up here. Yeah. He yeah. he popped for the lazy car. Yes. He, he was the one who loved it. Interestingly enough, there was a point in time where 
we were, Liam Phillips had left the company and Billy Gunn and I had talked a lot about Bruce Pritchard being the next booker and Billy and Billy wasn't too keen on Bruce coming in in, in that role. And then we talked about Dutch at that time, Dutch Mantel. And boy, I kicked myself on both those, missing out on both of those guys. And then we talked about a few other people. I had a talk with Scott Demore, who just left TNA at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was Billy who said, why don't you get Road Dog?" And Road Dog talked to me about coming in. And the reason why he didn't start with us was because we were really focused on Billy being the top single star. And we thought if we bring Road Dog in, you either have to team them up or put them in an angle. And it hurt Billy's ability to work with a whole bunch of younger guys. Yeah. So that's why we didn't do Road Dog. But then Danny was using New Age Outlaws on all of his tours, and it did very well for him. And obviously created a relationship and pretty powerful guy. I think Road Dog's still in WWE. Yes, he, he is. Yeah. So there you go. Good thing um, to have. One other note I wanted to make here uh, in Edmonton, Love Pro Wrestling just announced that they've signed a deal with IWTV, which is the competitor to Fight TV. Great streaming service for them to get their programming out there on. Uh, they have a they have a pretty good following. They run the rec room at Edmonton, and top talent to counter that. I think it's a friendly competition. But they announced that they signed Penta for a show February 9th. Yeah, Penta from All Elite Wrestling, the Mexican star, the Lucha star. So that's a heck of a name. I think that's going to be if they have the right guy to work with him. I think that's going to be. I think the fans of Edmonton are going to be spoiled. So. Uh, coming up after the break, I want to talk all elite wrestling and what they need to do to get hot and WWE and what they need to do to stay hot. This episode of B She's Wrestling is powered by First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store, where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Bees She's Wrestling listener, you can get a discount on your purchase using the code Bees She's. That code is B-E-E-Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, to get 10% off. Visit the store online, firstrow.ca, or instead of click and order, go brick and mortar. Meet the guys at First Row in person, 1835 Main Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store. It's amazing right now how hot WWE's business is coming out of Christmas and going into what they I would call their playoff season, the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. They did Madison Square Garden. Was that Boxing Day? They did a Boxing Day and they did the Staples Center, I think, whatever, the next day or whatever. That is the big gauge for their company, how they do with a house show at Madison Square, right at the beginning of the Attitude Era, right around the time that um, Shawn Michaels, the, the curtain call. That's when WWE knew, okay, things... Things are okay. We, we're doing big box office at, at New, in New York at Madison Square. They set a record for one day uh, one day dollars made. Thanks, Jungle Boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On a non-televised event, so business is better than ever. And it's day one today, January 1st. Happy New Year. I'm Tony Khan. I'm firing Jungle Boy, but he's pro- <laughs> probably the, the devil. No. You know what? <laughs> the devil. So stupid. It's not Jungle yeah. Boy fault it's um and it's not cm punk's fault it's it's a combination it's a combination of bad leadership you have you have a dysfunctional locker room and you have to be the guy that's going to sit people down and say i decide what's good for business and cm punk is going to be here and if you don't like it it's you who's going to leave and if that means you and four friends leave i've got you under contract for a year and a half i'm going to sue you for breach I called the shots, not you. Nobody has creative freedom or creative control. And if you don't like working for me, I don't care because I've already got what I needed to from you. Now, Tony won't do, won't ever do that. You have to imagine. And that's that, why we're in that, this position. Yeah, but you have to imagine somebody, he had that conversation when, because CM Punk was gone and he was brought back. You have to imagine he sat guys down like, okay, he's coming back, like. He tried to calm, calm down. I don't think he did that. You don't think so? No. Well, that's what you I should do. I think he's do. too much of a. What he yeah. needed to do was assert himself as the guy who has the say. And let's be honest. He gets a bad rap. I say all the time he's in over his head. He is. But he does it all himself. Yeah. And he loves doing it. So he can't 
fathom the thought of making people mad at him. How he could have saved that was simple. Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, I made you EVPs for a reason. If you don't like CM Punk, I don't care. I pay you well. I treat you well. You guys are in this company as high as you want to be. But he is going to be in this company because I can build with him and draw money. I don't care what you don't like. And they should want to do that. Exactly. That's good for them too. Yeah. What he needed to do was be strong and say, I want the strongest AEW possible. He's made mistakes. How he handled CM Punk, how he handled the EVPs, how he's handled his entire talent roster, buying a Ring of Honor, what he does with Ring of Honor, adding too much TV because he thought it meant more money. Now he's got a real big problem. The more TV he writes, the worse he looks as a writer. He believed because he had won the Wrestling Observer Booker of the Year, which is a popularity contest dictated by how Dave Meltzer writes about you, that he was untouchable. And the more he was exposed, the more people thought, oh, there's no, there's no finish to any stories. There's no hype. I knew it when he got the title on Jericho. He took the title off Jericho, gave it to Moxley, gave the title for Moxley to Omega, Gave the title from Omega to, to um, Adam Ad, Hangman Page. And it was like, wait a minute. You have no concept of what you want to do with your, your title. You ha always have to know, okay, the title is this important. So anybody that takes over is a brand new era. And unless it's an upset or a transition, you don't do it. Hangman Page didn't belong in those four. And anybody who thought that is insane. <laughs> and for that matter, Moxley. He thinks too much of Moxley. But here are guys, here are, I'm going to tell you right now, if that devil mask comes off, and it's probably off already, it probably came off Saturday night at the pay-per-view, mm -hmm. but if Nick Nemeth is under that mask, you've got money with, with Dolph and MJF because people will go, okay, this is a match I haven't seen. Let's see where this goes. Hey, at least they took the ROH tag belts off of MJF. It's about time. To the masked devil guys. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, they, they they put over the these guys with no faces yeah. for the belts. Like, why don't you? Just... Was it a good match? I don't know. I I, mean, I, I, watched... I watched it. It's it. It started with three minutes left in the hour. Yeah, and then it went over by two minutes. The match was five minutes. It was a complete throwaway match. Dynamite. I, I watched it. I thought it was a schmoz, to be honest. I thought it, it was, was just terrible. a mess. It, it, it was just like, get the titles off of MJF. Exactly, yeah. And MJF got pinned by one of the mask guys to zero pop. Nobody Your can. world heavyweight champion yeah. got pinned by somebody with no face. <laughs> Again, it's bad booking. The other thing is, MJF is getting a pop, and people, and so he's sitting there going, oh, we got to get MJF over as a baby face that people like him. Ric Flair in 1985, 86, 87, 88 was just as over as the babyface as he was working. It didn't mean that you had to turn Dusty Heel and you had to turn Flair babyface. You could turn Flair babyface eventually, but Ric Flair worked better as a heel, and you had to know that. MJF works better as a heel. Yes, Keep him as a heel, and even if the people love him, that doesn't matter. Yeah. People can love the heel, and it still works for business. It does not work. When you turn a guy babyface, and he, he's not made to be a babyface. Remember when he came out like June of last year, and he cut that skating promo on Tony Khan. Yeah. And he was super edgy, and he got kicked off the TV, and he yeah. said, "I'm not going to be on all these shows." And that was an exciting MJF. That was like you had to tune in because you wanted to see what he was going to say. And now he's just this watered down, castrated version that's trying to be a babyface when he's not. Yeah, it's just it's just it's not good. And then you, you flip over to the other channel, you know, former WWE champion debuting tonight, Monday Night Raw, day one. Who could that be? A lot of people think in Sasha Banks. You look at their attendances and, and as far as like the Rumble and the Elimination Chamber sold 30,000 tickets so far for each event. Piping hot. WrestleMania, 57,000 seats sold each night. Yeah. Their business is hotter now than it was during the Attitude Era, but the TV numbers don't don't show it because people consume their product yeah. the product differently. But I'll tell you this, it could be Batista. Nah, he's too old. Is he too old? Yeah. He's a mainstream star. Yeah, but I don't think he would Could come. it be The Rock? Because Sasha's out there saying she's not, like, the negotiation broke off, which is what that tells you it is. Here, it is here's why I, I think that Batista <laughs> is an interesting thing that you brought up and why it could work. 
because he is a Hollywood guy. Who would you put him with? That that I don't know. I haven't thought that far, but I just had this thought. He, he is repped, I believe, by Endeavor, which is Ori Gold, which is, you know, WWE. So is it that big of a stretch to think that it could be him? Batista? Yeah. Well, he's good friends with Triple H, too. I, but, know, I know that. But define but... former WWE champion. What does that mean? Former women's champion? Former well, that's WWE it, right? champion? They, former intercontinental yeah, champion? What kind of champion? They're being vague for a reason. If yeah. it's yeah. Sasha, Tune it's in tonight. If it's Sasha, it's good for business. If it's if it's um, Batista, it's going to be decent for business too. If it's Batista, it's interesting because it adds another layer to the like they're already very top heavy in male talent, like hugely top heavy on male talent. It, if it's Sasha, it's better for business in my opinion. So um, AEW, they're yeah stumbling along. Well, you know what, Sting his uh, retirement match they sold thirteen thousand tickets for that match in sure. Greensboro, so that's good. Yeah, you know, there's a positive for all in thirty seven thousand tickets so far for August. Yeah, that's but they, that's way down from where they were a year ago. For sure. Yeah. See, and the thing is, they even these little things that are going to get them, like they had a good house in Orlando too. Mm-hmm. They need momentum, and the only way they're going to get momentum is to get the the right guys over, and they kind of have to. If I were them, I'd slow it right down. Again, Samoa Joe versus MGF is not going to do anything for no. your title. And you know what? This is the second pay-per-view, World's End, that I'm not going to see. And I have no one. I, I, I don't even care. Yeah. Like, that's bad. Yeah. Like, when that's I'm missing. That's how bad that they, they cause disconnect with, with loyal followers. Like, when I'm missing pay-per-views and not even going out of my way to watch them after the fact. Yeah. That's a problem because that is their core audience. But here's what I hear. This is what exposes M, uh, Tony as, a, as not a great booker. Where did he think he was seeing money on Samoa Joe versus MJF? I think it's just like a, a placeholder until yeah. they get to the next You thing, don't right? want to go placeholders when you're talking about your world heavyweight champion. I agree. So this is where he, Especially in his home market. Yeah, where he went very wrong with MJF is the minute that Cole got hurt, he should have pivoted. What he should have done is had MJF go back mm-hmm. to being a heel, call Cole out, say... You, what good are you to me with a broken foot? Attack him, throw the belt on him, and say, you defend these or you vacate these. You're not good enough to be my partner. That sets up Cole to come back as a babyface when he's healed and, and attack MJF and then have MJF as a heel and put him in money matches either against Edge or other babyfaces that are hot or percolating to be hot. But this holding pattern for until Adam Cole comes back, and then this devil storyline has been one percolation that all it's done is given you nothing of momentum for a for a major pay per view. And it's just like I like how they say it's the devil, right? It's a devil mask, but yeah. now it's just called the devil. The devil, yeah. So it's like it's just it's like really we're calling this thing the devil. Who is the devil? Like that's, Some, someone just, suggested to me it was going to be Kyle O'Reilly. Ugh. I said I don't yeah. think that that draws money in the next no. in the next cycle. Maybe it's Kylie Ray. I <laughs> we'll talk about that in one second. <laughs> if it's Nick Nemeth, there will be shock, there will be excitement, there will be a match that people might get excited about. But again, it's the wrong way to debut Nick Nemeth because he's got to put he's either going to win the title, which is shotgun, or he's got to put over the champion, which is killing his momentum out of the gates. I saw something online that would lead to a money match. Who the devil is? Who negative one? <laughs> it's not like well he's skinny and taller now yeah i just think that they i think the problem with tony is no vision right now what he's got to be thinking is the next pay-per-view and who he wants to have he should just be like please i just need it to be the end of january so will osprey can get in here and the other thing he should be thinking about doing is he should be i and i think this is what's going to happen if the if the current trend continues where he can't turn it around himself he's going to have a creative team he's going to have a hollywood writer he's going to have a wrestling guy on it it's going to be a panel that's coming up with his creative and i don't know if that's going to work or not but it will be better because it'll be new blood and as long as he doesn't micromanage it it could work but i think that's the next step is he's going to sit there and say you know what i'm overworked or you know what it's me and that would be a a productive move. I wonder if Tony ever loses interest and just says, forget this. Do you know how much work it is for him? Oh, God. I can't, I can't even imagine. And keep in mind, he's involved with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. He's got that soccer team. Like, I used to write a three-hour block of TV, three episodes 
once every three weeks and after we booked the travel and Liam did it for a long time before well for most of the run but once Liam left I had to put it together and it would be like on one week and it would be like I'd have a week to do it and I was like oh. that's insane and I'd be rewriting and I'd be like okay do what and it would take me like two or three drafts I remember seeing those drafts yeah and there was one time where I pre- presented an angle to to Gangrel and he was like, hey, and it was on, like, he'd get a format. Everything was written on one format, so every talent can see it. And he said, Mike, I don't mean to be a complainer, but you actually have me contradicting myself, and it'll, it'll come off stupid. Here you have me doing one thing, and next next week you have me doing the direct opposite without a turn in there. He's like, people are going to, it won't, it won't land. So I had to go back and rewrite on the day of. It was a lot of work, and mm. it's, and that was, and it was a basic formula. And again, with, Three one-hour blocks. Yeah. It wasn't two two hour blocks in a week where you couldn't you can't carry the same talent and with aw like again young company five years in they're gonna make mistakes we want them to succeed well, but badly tony is in over his head like he's i mean how are these guys who are there not saying man you need help like, well and the one thing he hasn't done is assert himself as the dominant like as an alpha person in that locker room and that's what he absolutely needs to mm-hmm. do he needs to say it's going to be my way I am the guy. If you don't like it, then tell you what, you don't have to work. But I got you on the contract and you'll sit at home. Yeah, it's one of those things where he went from being a fan and now he's probably everybody's buddy. Yep. So it's it's kind of tough to put the genie back in the bottle after that, right? You got to so, hit him with the chaos hammer now. You know, I, random firing. In WFX, that would actually work very well. In yep. WFX, I used to, I, have, I had to tell Jeff to do not have one on one conversations with talent in any way that could be a negotiation or a promise. Right. You can talk to them about their lives. You can listen to them about what they want, but you cannot promise them anything because I'm the one who has to break that promise. And it's not a very good position for me. I said, because wrestlers will hear what they want to hear from that conversation. So he got used to saying, you have to talk to Mike about that. As for your idea that firings would work, Matt Hardy being fired would be good for yep. business. Jeff Hardy being fired would probably be good for business. We should maybe go through the roster and kind of look at We'd who have, should. Not yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe next the week better, we can do that. The guys that have got WWE experience that you could fire, like Sean Spears had to leave on his own accord. Mm-hmm. Like... Why wasn't he weeded out? He's but he's a hell of a talent. And sure. if he goes to a place like TNA, that's where he needs to go. You know, he can be an upper card guy, and he would be an asset. To I, that company. That's where I hope he goes. Yeah, because they could use him. And if he goes back to WWE, he's just going to be lost yep. in the shuffle. But if grizzled were, young veterans in TNA, if they were to announce the firing of Riho, if they were to announce like fire people that they pushed, yeah, why do they push Riho? Because she's like hundred and ten pounds. It doesn't work, and they she does nothing, and they don't realize this. It's crazy. That's why their product suffers because they think they see something that the fans aren't buying. And where's Britt Baker? There you go. <laughs> she's like, what? Maybe she's like, no, nah, that's enough of this. Yeah, like, like, hands up in the air. Let's get out of here. But I believe she's doing her dentistry in Philadelphia or not Pittsburgh is a story and she has to do so many months a year to keep her accreditation so that's what I've heard where she is I bet you it's totally creative related and they just have nothing for her so she's getting paid to stay home I bet you that's what it is but how about in TNA well one second Chris Jericho is in a world of trouble something you told me about in 2019 has come back to haunt him there's a report online Mm -hmm. whether it's true or not (laughs) Paul Coffey over here yeah Yeah. (laughs) nice whether it's true or not, Chris Jericho is in a world of trouble. Kylie Ray was in AEW for one or two shows mm-hmm. and left. The, I heard the rumor back then that it was because Jericho came on to her. Apparently, this was, after was the in a first double or nothing in yeah, 2019. Apparently, was in a hotel room. Is the is the report I read online? Maybe I'm wrong. But now there's a movement of should Chris Jericho be fired? Should he be canceled? And the problem is, let's say it happened in a hotel room. and Let's say Chris Jericho made an advance. Chris Jericho is going to use the defense. Hey, in what world can you not walk up and hit on a woman? Right? Mm -hmm. And in what world are you canceled for it? Right? Okay. But the problem is, is in today's world... You can't do it to a coworker, right? You can walk up and if you see a woman in a grocery store and you can politely go up and ask her if she's available, that's apparently allowed. But if it's a coworker, it affects her workplace and that's not allowed. Now, if it was a lot more abrupt, she left the company and retired at that point. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know the whole story except to know that I had heard when she left way back in 2019, I had heard it was because Jericho came on. And there's, and there's rumors, like I've gone down the rabbit hole, but there's a, all kinds of rumors coming out. Of course, there's always going to be rumors, but, you know, maybe some of them are true. Maybe there's more accusers. We don't know yet. So it remains to be seen what happens with it. It's a really, it's surprising to me that Kylie Ray would be the one that gets his attention, honestly. Why? Well, she's she was not, she was retired before she came back to AEW. She came back for like two shows. She wasn't even really a, like a main event I'm not saying she's not attractive, but like you would think that maybe he would go after somebody who's like a main event talent or somebody who's on the roster more, not somebody that he's never going to see again. But maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. That's good. Point. I, you know what? I always thought that if he was going to be with anyone, it was going to be Audrey Edwards, the ref. Mm. Interesting. I always thought that if there, were, if it was going to come out that he had a fling with somebody on the roster, that's that was the one I thought. Stay tuned. Well, I <laughs> listen. Um, but moving on to TNA, mm-hmm. um, grizzled young veterans. Debut. Great signing. You think it's a good one? Yeah. Great tag team. Yeah. Yeah. Very underutilized tag team. Okay. Yep. Great on the stick. I don't know if you've seen any of their promos online. And TNA will know exactly what to do with them. Yep. So I'm very excited for that. They're going to be at the pay-per-view Hard to Kill and also their, I believe it's called their Snake Eyes event the next night. Do you know how long they're signed for? I do not. I do not know that. And I also know um, Josh Alexander's wife, Jade. Is the new ring announcer. And Penzer is out. Penzer was not happy. So he was fired or they're just not going to use him as often? He was, no, he was let go. <coughs> he was pretty upset about it. But I mean, let's call like the guy debuted at the Great American Bash in 1995. That's a good run. And replaced yeah. a hell of a good ring announcer in Gary Michael Capetta. Yes. So, but he was, he was a little bit joked about it but i mean again tna going in a different direction right so we'll see how that goes Got and that changes and then that danny luna um you might have seen her on she's been on rampage she's been on uh i think she's been on even dynamite and some kind of squash matches she's a good talent yeah. so good for tna for kind of uncovering some of these lesser known or maybe underutilized people like kylan king there's another one she was in aew she was transing herself in for these shows, and now she's getting an opportunity in TNA. So I'm excited to see what uh, 2024 has in store. I think it's going to be a great year. Um, let's go to the mailbag. Welcome. You've got mail. Two questions in the mailbag this week. You can get yours on, of course, by going to our social media and checking us out there. Send us a voice clip. We always love those to our inbox and our email, totalbshees at gmail.com. Speaking of audio questions we've got one in from our friend of the show this week liam phillips here we go gentlemen liam phillips here just wanted to congratulate the three of you on another fantastic year of the b she's wrestling podcast between the heated debates the deep dive d she's of the Rees episodes and mike continually asserting that he's never wrong or out of touch the show is always something to look forward to each and every monday i make a lot of trips down to minnesota each year and b she's episodes have proven to be great for road trips so i thank you for keeping myself and everyone else entertained and engaged all year long kudos to each of you and keep up the good work now i've got a question for all three of you recently mike's favorite booker of the year tony khan owner of aew and ring of honor did something that even vince mcmahon himself never once tried in his 40 plus years of being a wrestling promoter tony khan ran his own pay-per-view head-to-head against his own tv show this was ring of honor final battle running head-to-head against aew rampage as a result Rampage took a hit in the ratings. I'm also going to point out that this happened at a time when AEW is actively, and as we speak, currently trying to negotiate a new TV contract. As we all know, whenever you're negotiating any kind of deal, especially a TV deal, you really want to give networks a reason to question your thinking and where your priorities lie. So, the question I'm posing to all three of you is as follows. In following Tony Khan's great example here, can you recall a time locally when someone got in the way of their own success and hurt their own career as a result. And since it's the holidays, as a bonus, was there ever a time when you got in the way of your own success? And if so, what lesson did you learn from that experience that perhaps might help other people avoid doing the same thing? All right, boys, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. The obvious comparison on that one is when Jeff Dick owned WFX and was funding and partnering with CWE and Danny Duggan. And what ended up happening was what we were doing, what we needed to do was to 
produce a television show that could be seen on the same level nationally as potentially TNA lights. Obviously, we weren't going to run with as heavy of payroll as that. So we were like a small market baseball team getting the best talent we could get, making it, presenting it as, as best as we could. And he did the deal where he was also backing the CWE in the exact same marketplace. We were sharing talent. It made what we did harder and it didn't do anything for CWE either. And actually, it's like when you have, when you need to bake the perfect cake, do not cut it in half and share it between two people. Focus on making one perfect cake and, and you will be successful. Um, that's the one time I could think about where a guy split his attention and didn't focus on what he needed to do. He should have either. And when he presented it to me that I was going to be running WFX, I initially said I didn't really want to. I said, if you've got that deal with CWE, do it with them. And he, he didn't think Danny was ready to do TV. So that's that's the one time it jumps out at me. It's probably happened before. One of the prime examples is when a promoter thinks that okay, we can get we can add another date at this subpar venue, and they do it even though it does nothing for their brand, and it might mean something financially to do it, but it you got to think of the value to your brand first and foremost. You always got to be building your brand. In the case of Tony, it was stupid what he did. Uh, it was stupid when he bought Ring of Honor. It was stupid that he's going to run it independently. And if he's going to do that, he's got to make sure that he programs their pay-per-views around his TV so they're not head-to-head. I think the pay-per-view really is an afterthought because it's it's a nothing brand. So I think the fact that, I mean, he's, he's probably like, we need to do Final Battle. What day are we going to do it on? We have to do it on this day. Rampage is on. Whatever. It's a holiday season. Yeah. It, it's not going to matter. So Final I mean, Battle also had a lineage of always being a certain Friday in December. So I think he was just keeping up with that for his Ring of Honor fans. It was also the longest pay-per-view ever produced by Tony Khan over five hours. Uh, it was like five hours and 16 minutes long. The main event was uh, Athena and Billy Starks, and there was color in that match. Ricky Starks or Billy Starks? There's two Starks? A 19-year-old girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see Final Battle, but um, it wasn't on pay-per-view. That's the other thing. It wasn't even on pay-per-view. It was streamed on his app? It was on the Ring of Honor Fight Honor Club, isn't it? Honor Club, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't even available on pay per view, and which the, makes it more difficult. And to see. the other thing is, it also sent a message to everybody in the world, including Warner Brothers Discovery, that he doesn't value the Rampage time slot. He just—it's uh, an afterthought to him. And stupid move. Warner Brothers Discovery sitting there going, "Hey, we can pay for one two-hour block of Monday Night Raw and get deliverable, or we can continue to do business with this guy who has no direction." And you know. Last week, or he was saying on a, in his press conference leading up to the pay-per-view that, you know, if Warner Brothers Discovery decides that they don't want to continue to do business, that there'll be a lot of suitors. I think that's arrogant, and I don't think he should want to find out. All right, moving on. We've got an old-school text question sent into our email from Jay. He says, simply, is PCW done? What do you guys think? Well, you know there, I think they're done. done. You think they're done? It's been what? Four years? Yeah. Four years since they ran a show? Yeah, it's been... Yeah, February 2020. Close to... Four, yeah, four years. So, I mean, yeah, I think they're done. I think if Kenny Omega was available, that would change everything. But what are you going to do? Run a one Kenny Omega show and then and then have... like I don't know. And think of the talent. That, like, Well, where are... The, like, who would they... Like, they were using, what, those uh, the Londons? Yeah. yeah. Where have they been? Yeah. Not doing anything, I guess. Where's that Jay Walker guy? All these guys who are apparently like gung ho for the business, they haven't resurfaced anywhere. Yeah. So why? So I would love Andrew to do a PCW show in the parking lot at the lid as a summer thing. Yeah. Where's Scorpio, by the way? I see him all the time. Is he working? He did a couple shows for Primos. We haven't talked about Primos at all today. I was going to save that till the end. That's true. That is unbelievable. This guy has been much to talk about. I, I think. I think. You're right, Mike, but I think what will happen is Andrew might do a show, just finally decide to do a show, Kenny Omega's available, whatever, and then he'll get the itch again. And then I maybe don't think so. But I the way it sits right now, and I just don't see it. I think it's past. I think it's it was it was fun while it went and you know, it's just you know, it's a lot of work too for Andrew to come back and and you know does he want to get into the ring again, so to speak? I don't think so, with what's going on here. So Enough about a guy who's not running any shows. Let's talk about who is running shows. Let's talk about the event center. This is your B She's Wrestling Event Center. We start in British Columbia. Saturday, January 6th. Big West Wrestling is in Enderby. 
We move to Alberta Friday, January 5th. Monster Pro Wrestling is in Edmonton. Saturday, January 6th. Pure Power Wrestling comes to Lethbridge. Over in Saskatchewan, Friday, January 5th. Ringside Wrestling comes to Regina. And finally, we shift to the Manitoba-based Canadian Wrestling's Elite as they embark on their tour of Ontario. Tuesday, January 2nd, CWE is in Michiganing First Nation. Wednesday, January 3rd, CWE comes to Sudbury. Thursday, January 4th, CWE comes to Elliott Lake. Saturday, January 6th, CWE comes to Thunder Bay. And finally, Sunday, January 7th, CWE comes to Dryden, Ontario. And that has been your BG's Wrestling Event Center. Nine events in the event center. Well done, Mr. Shane Madison. A um, couple things I wanted to mention quickly. Our friends at Below Zero have Maven coming in in February. That's an interesting name. That is it. You know, there's a lot of good stuff happening in February. Yeah. And I'm gone for most of February. Yeah, where are you going? I'll be in Playa del Carmen. Yeah, I think I'd rather be there too. Yeah, yeah definitely. Me too. But uh, I mean, Winter Slam, February 17th. Again, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit more. Um, we mentioned it. We, we talked about it briefly. Uncle Lightning Dick. I, I met him last night. Really? I met him at Rookies. He came specifically because I was on that show. You like hearing that, don't you? I do. <laughs> I do. That's amazing. Yeah. And so the, he's a real guy. And he's, he's a not, real guy. He's not a wrestler pretending to be someone funny. He came up to me and, you know, I, I know him. He was good friends with my brother. <laughs> and he comes up to me and he says, hello. And then he goes, by the way, I'm Uncle Lightning Dick. Did you high five him? Oh, I popped huge. Yeah. yeah. And then I said, what? And he's like, yep. He goes, but... You know, I gotta kind of keep it on the DL. That's why, that's why I can't claim any of my prizes or all this stuff. So I've been sworn to secrecy. No one will ever know who he is except me and Uncle Lightning Dick. But he's a loyal listener, and it was great to see some B Sheezers out at rookies. Yes, I love hearing that. By um, the way, while you're going to play Adele Carmen, I mean Mike B Shees on the road. Let's just crash his vacation. Well, we're gonna have to think of something, aren't we? Actually, the Big V mentioned to me this past weekend that when they come to Lilac. CWE and Lilac in August. He's requesting a live B She's podcast from Lilac. I like that. Idea. I like that idea too. Have you guys ever been to Lilac? Yes, I it's have. a resort, isn't it? Oh, is it fun? It's yeah. a party. I will be on that show this August. Wow. I will be wrestling on that show. Well, uh, whoever wants us there, make get the wheels in motion. Last note. Loot Academy. Yes. Who's in who's the roster? Vance Nevada is gonna go into Loot Academy. <laughs> What's been wrestling since 1993? Yeah, what's up with that? So Chad Daniels is going back for a third time, and I, I guarantee you he'll probably lose a third time. AJ Sanchez, AJ Sanchez, Danny Duggan, Bobby Sharp, Mentolo, Mentolo, uh, your friend Sebastian Wolf. Yes, he's a very good talent. Yeah, so I mean, what about Leon Lacombo? Uh, Not on that list. Well, I just basically took. Local names that we talk about, or I saw Sebastian Wolf. His name jumped out at me because I know you're a big fan of his. Yep. No player one. Player okay. one, not there. No. Hard no. to believe. No. <laughs> Tough sledding. As Mike Davidson's dying over here. Oh my god. Just word. selling. Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry Kleenexes. to Sorry to wrap this hard. Welcome to 2024, everyone. Thank you for making us part of your New Year's Day. Happy New Year. It's going to be a great year. Thank you. Yeah.